0: The Puritan's Guide to Fall Song's Guide.
1: What really went on there? We only have this excerpt.
0: Tonight's song is... New Face in Hell. we have the wireless enthusiast who's kind of the main character of the song uh we have his neighbor who is a hunter and uh overall meathead i always envisioned (laughs) i think so too yeah i always envisioned the wireless enthusiast as this guy who's skinny and greasy hair and smokes a lot and like the neighbor is kind of this guy who's like just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. But. I was thinking of those those like
1: uh Warner Brothers cartoons with like the big like meat-headed dog and right. his little buddy jumping around yes. like, "Hey, we're going to do this thing." Pal, yes, you know? Exactly. Yeah.
0: So that's how I envision those two. And then the third <laughs> one I I mean, I guess there's four, but the third main character is the government servant at yes. the end of the song. And I guess now I'm talking about it. I guess the fourth one could character could be just the government. You know, yeah capital G government (laughs) um but but for the most part there's three like actual characters in this right I'll say so and then um so this is like the this is a quick breakdown uh that I wrote of basically what the song is and this song is basically another one of those uh short story songs that Mm -hmm. Mark did kind of early on um so Basically, the, the gist of the story is uh, wireless enthusiast uncovers secrets on secret radio band, and he goes next door to tell his neighbor who he wants for a favor and friendship thereof, or whatever the line is. <laughs> Basically, he wants his neighbor to pay attention to him, so he's going over to his neighbor's house to tell him, hey, I just found this secret radio band. Uh, when he gets inside the house or apartment, um, he finds out the neighbor has been killed, um, and wireless enthusiast or WE, uh, quickly realizes that as a bead of sweat shows up on his head, that, um, the neighbor was killed by the government, uh, because they know of what WE is going to tell the neighbor and that WE, uh, you know, starts sweating because he realizes his choice of government was uh, basically gaslighting he and Meathead Neighbor to wage war against, quote, people who enthusiast and dead hunter would wish torture on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at that point, government servant enters uh, to arrest WE as he realizes he's been had yeah. by the government. So that's, that's essentially the entire song. Yeah, <laughs> It's just that uh, the language that he uses to do it is so wonderfully like antiquated and yeah and broken up in ways that it's just it's it's kind of it reads like some 19th century sort of yeah novel
1: or something tristan like, shandy play. kind of thing you totally know, postmodernist. modernist yeah. before what is the line from that movie it was postmodern before there was modern right
0: yeah exactly oh the truth i never did see that
1: it's great highly recommend it.
0: Re- read the book, heard the movie was pretty good, never did get around to. Yeah. It. So I promise I will one of those <laughs> um, but uh yeah, so I don't know any anything to add. It's, it's
1: just just it 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 feels it's a paranoid song is what it feels like to me. Okay. Uh, and and I you know, that's one thing that he <clears throat> he being Marky e. Smith was really great at was like encapsulating this paranoia and I would like and I think From what he was into at that time, if I have my timeline right, it's probably drug-induced paranoia. Oh, yeah. Like you start doing enough amphetamines and you start to get a little wiggly in the brain. So, (laughs) Yes, to say the least. Yeah. And
0: and this definitely has, like, speed paranoia all over it. Absolutely. Um, So I think that, uh, and like I said, the lyrics, like, a prickly line of sweat covers enthusiast's forehead – as the realization hits him that the same government him and his now dead neighbor voted for and backed and talked of on cream porches have tricked him into their war against the people who enthusiasts and dead hunter would wish torture on. Right. That's like, that's the most convoluted fucking <laughs> sentence ever, but it's, but, would, <laughs> but it's a great way to explain everything in there, even with the whole doubles of him and his neighbor. You yeah. Know?
1: But what, uh, but, I think, like, what is he talk? I wonder what he's talking about there about, like, you know, the government invasion of some small Central American country right. or something like that, like the Falklands or. Oh, that wasn't Central America, but, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just a small island. Yeah. Uh,
0: no, totally. I think that. I mean, I think that him not. That's the chair, not me. Uh, I, <laughs> I think that him not really relating what it is is great, too, because it, can, yeah. it moves. It can. It doesn't have to stand still in history. It can relate exactly. to. Things going on now in
1: America, yeah. or whatever. So, um, <laughs> or even in England, or in post-Brexit England. Brexit England. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So
0: it works out well uh, that he doesn't really put a too fine a point on it and just makes it like a paranoid fantasy story, basically. Yeah. So no, I like that. Um, oh, I guess one thing uh, I'd sh- I'd like to point out, um, at least as far as New Face in Hell, uh, there is a movie. That was called new face in hell it was called uh and this is from the annotated fall it was called like pj or something like yeah. that in the u.s which stars uh george Papard of all people who was hannibal from the 18th yeah and raymond uh, burr who yeah was, uh, exactly and like the the plot is basically uh papard is a pi and he gets set up by his client right so it's kind of like kind of like the story that we have here in this yeah um, have
1: you seen that? I've never, I've seen, never it. seen I'd never heard about it until I was reading up on it. And I, I'm really curious. just because, yeah. you know, I know George Peppard was uh, a fine actor before he was a television star. <laughs> right. And Raymond Burr has always been a favorite ever since, Raymond like, uh, awesome. yeah. the Blue Gardenia and Rear Window, you know. Exactly. He's one of those great character actors that you never know what you're going to get. Exactly. And then he turned, but he turned into, like, you know, Mr. Law and Order when he started doing Ironside yeah. and Mason. Well, you say, know?
0: yeah, it's like Peppard. Like, there would seem to be a lot of, like, British – well, there are now, but back then – a lot of British actors who come to America to do television in their later years. Yeah. And, like, now it's just everybody on a fucking American show is from Britain. (laughs) So true. I swear to God, every time I'm just like, oh, he's British. Shit. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) So I think if, you know, back to the government, if they want to do something about that, you know, they should (laughs) –
1: I'm sure they're listening to this. Yeah,
0: they they should work on people stealing uh, actors' jobs. That's right. You know, Get, where are you?
1: I the the <laughs> I yeah I, I mean we talked about this before in other episodes. I mean, just the imagery in this is just crazy great, and I the line that the 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 little image that he sticks in there about you know the same government him and his now dead neighbor voted for and backed and talked of on cream porches i thought like wow that is an amazing little image you know because it's got
0: this like white picket fence yeah exactly so it's pretty nice yeah Yeah. um and and there's other great stuff in here that's just like a muscular thick skinned slit-eyed neighbor Mm -hmm. is at the table poisoned just 30 seconds before (laughs) So, yeah, that's where I always thought of like meat the meathead version of that. yeah, so I, I would also say, like, according to my notes, I thought this was all Kafkaesque, which I think is oh absolutely huge for uh Mark on a lot of songs from this period. There's lots of things where you're being oppressed and you don't know why or by who exactly. yeah
1: and that was a strain of a lot of popular culture post Watergate, true where and, and you know, around 1984 yeah and then the, the, you know the thatcher era in england where like there was a lot of paranoia running through you know the underground culture where they were worried and and in some cases rightfully so about it getting uh infiltrated by you know government yeah. forces and you know and that
0: yeah because that had been going on in both britain and america since yeah. at least the 60s yeah and so and so American underground culture was big into that too. Just, yeah. Just lots of paranoia. And I would I would say definitely rightly so and I don't think that's changed all that no, much. No, <laughs> no, but
1: yeah, but I just think of, you know, movies like 3 Days of the Condor, Exactly. All the President's Men, The Parallax View. Where it's just these you know crazy government conspiracies and these people who are trying to uncover them and getting slapped down by the forces that be. I think at least you know a movie like Three Days of the Condor kind of ha- kind of has a happy ending on it where like they kind of get a- I think they get away at the end of that.
0: I can't remember Robert but,
1: Redford and Faye Dunaway. But I think. Not but, really. But not really. It's like
0: their lives are completely lost. Yeah. Their former lives are gone, but but they. Aren't killed, yeah, basically. Yeah,
1: but you know the parallax view. On the other hand, you know Warren Beatty gets spoiler alert, everyone. If you've never seen it, uh, <laughs> Warren Beatty gets killed at the end of the movie because he's uncovered this this strange government plot. Exactly. Or you know the Manchurian Candidate or something like that. So there was this, you know, even post I guess then post World War II sort of you know paranoia that was running through some streams of popular culture. Right. Yeah. And I think you know that was a. And, and being the the big you know sci-fi horror fiction fan that Marky e. Smith was, I mean that was obviously in his head because exactly. there's a lot of that going through episodes of the Twilight Zone and you know the Lovecraft and Ballard books. You yeah, know? definitely. Yeah,
0: I'd I'd also just on a side note, uh, I. W- I think a good academic paper would be <laughs> comparing <laughs> all those all those movies from the seventies to like the ones in the nineties where like Mel Gibson plays the uh, conspiracy theorist. Oh, the Cab Driver. Yeah. Like I can't even remember what the hell happens in that movie. I, like, I don't I'm think, I'm think I ever saw that. They fall in love and have sex at some point I, or whatever. He and but Julia I Roberts
1: know. get it on. Yeah. Right.
0: So I I can remember watching that. It was one of those times where. Uh, no offense to my family, I was with my family and they were watching it, and I ended up watching it. Yeah. Uh, and I just remember it, it being kind of funny, or or and not in the way they wanted it to right. be. Um, <laughs> or you know, like didn't they make it wasn't in like Flint, but it was like one of those Michael Caine cop movies. Get where Carter. They, yeah. Is that it. Yeah. Yeah. So they remade they remade Get Carter, but Sylvester Sloan's in it. That's and the, the one. It's, yeah. like, nowhere near the same story.
1: Yeah. Or they remade uh, Point Blank, the Lee Marvin movie with Mel Gibson again. Oh, that's right. Payback, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> Just, so there you go, academics. Yeah. Uh, work on work on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and if you want to tie in, you know, <laughs> modern movies about people's paranoia and fears about technology. Oh, right. You know, you can go even further with that. What's, said academics who are huge fans of this podcast. What's a computer? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. So,
0: so and then there was like a few things like. I mean, my main question with this song always is who is the new face in hell? Is it the neighbor or is it the guy who's getting taken away by the government?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think there, uh, if we're going to talk about if we, uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of the annotated fall. Yeah. There was a reference, I think, in the comments of a new face in hell being a reference to someone who was like in prison for the first time. Right, like a, yeah. you know, the new fish oh, yeah, on the yeah, ward, you there. know? Yeah. So I think, you know, that's a possibility.
0: So yeah, it's all—it's kind of—it could be both. Yeah, and definitely. Um, and also go to the annotated fall to uh, read a story that kind of explains the kind of cryptic line: "The dead cannot contradict; sometimes the living cannot."
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: So it it has to do with like I can't remember like
1: it's an English translation of a German play by August von Kotzebue or I don't hope I'm pronouncing that right yeah
0: and apparently von Kotzebue like was killed by some people right because he was speaking out against the government yeah which is totally on par with whatever Mark Smith would have been writing about yeah so i don't i don't think that's a far-fetched idea no i don't think so either yeah Um, and
1: again just like i think we will be talking about a lot just like talking (laughs) just just tying in how you know how much he read and absorbed growing up even though he dropped out of college and dropped out of school and so he was just a totally self-educated person in that way so like he's pulling in all these like rare all these really rare references to you know uh unheard of at least in my world german plays and right. you know well he's uh,
0: definitely he's definitely a library reader exactly reader yeah library reader. he's got his yeah. library card and yeah. It's being used well
1: <laughs> so I, I know we also wanted to talk about just the the musical construction of this song yeah. because uh as if anyone listens to the song if you know the velvet underground that's a very obvious riff on the what goes on yeah so what
0: goes on um and then there's the other song that sounds exactly like this song. So, oh shit, I'll look up the title and throw it in. Conduit for sale. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so there's the Pavement song, which is essentially New Face in Hell with new lyrics. Yeah. And without the kazoo, which I always thought was a bad thing. <laughs> but, uh... But so that that kind of leads into a whole thing about like how people write songs I think sure. like that we can kind of touch on um, and I would say that even though I'm sure I according to interviews Mark didn't really like pavement at all uh, I believe that yeah uh, he even he even, <laughs> he even said something I thought it was about pavement but apparently it's about Thurston Moore he said he needed his rock license revoked <laughs> 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 so but uh, but but there's this thing And especially in, like, fall songs, they will borrow riffs all the time. Um, Liberally. Yeah, yeah. so basically, and as I was telling Bob earlier, like, I've read interviews where somebody would be like, yeah, so that song came about when we were trying to play the riff from song X, whatever song that might be. We couldn't quite get it, but it became our riff. And if you kind of follow those lines within fall songs... You start to catch a lot of stuff like that, yeah. And and also, I mean, there's other bands like Pavement did it, uh, but Stereo Lab for me was like the number one thing. Oh, they
1: were big on that. Yeah. yeah. So like
0: almost, I'd say ninety nine percent of their songs are some <laughs> other song that they've taken a little bit from and yeah. made it into their own, which is also just it's part of like the folk music idea of rock and yeah. roll. I don't, um,
1: yeah, and I think that's how. <clears throat> I think there are lots of examples of that where, like, you know, a band playing around with a song and turning it into their own. I mean, if you listen to... Um, there's a couple of great Smiths examples of that where this one where, where like, Panic is, like, so close to Guru oh, the way right. that the, the riffs of that go. Yeah, and there's a band there's a band called The Poo Sticks. I don't know if you ever listened to them. Oh, I did, yeah. Yeah, so there's that record, The Great White Wonder, where a lot of the stuff on that record are just you know cherry picked from some of their favorite songs where uh-huh. they were like take the entire guitar solo from Powderfinger and <laughs> stick it into one of their songs and it works fantastically nice. and they like lyrically and stuff like that so right. there's a, you know if you want to talk about a postmodern idea of how to write songs there is a great one Definitely yeah.
0: yeah it's it's that homo ideal yeah. I would say um, And I don't
1: know I think that's happening a lot in modern hip hop nowadays and maybe not as much I, you know, I don't think it's, it's still going on but like I think it's sort of the girl talk effect of this stuff of this like mashing right. together two very disparate songs together, but it's then turned into something. And the basic, the best example I could think of is I think the song is called Anaconda. It's a Nicki Minaj song where like oh, right. the majority of the music of it is just a riff on baby got back Yeah, or the very beginning of it. And then like little bits of the song thrown in there. I think also. well, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that was all, uh, that was it.
0: I was just going to say, I think it goes back even farther to, you know, just DJs throwing things yeah. together. Um, within a song and putting that out or you know just in their set while they're at the show yeah, or at the club um, and, hi- and to talk about hip hop in that way so like you know with samples like sometimes the samples smash to bits and completely hidden yeah but then there's also those songs where the sample is like upfront and prevalent, and as pointing to say, "Hey, look where we're from," or yeah. "Hey, look what we can use and make it sound yeah like something else."
1: Yeah, we're gonna use. The melody and uh, main melodic line, the the vocal melody, and the main melodic musical line of every breath you take, and turn it <laughs> into this tribute to Biggie. You know, <laughs> yeah, or whatever. The, yeah, that guy, exactly. I think, I think you know, Puff Daddy was the huge, was the big one of the biggest uh, uh, abusers of oh, that, yeah. Definitely. And that sort of led into what I think we're seeing now with hip hop and R and B artists. I, I think
0: that's true. And before any listeners get all upset, we, we understand that uh, he was, you know. Possibly, probably doing that because it was a pop song and it was easy to like put yeah. together and rip yeah. off and make tons of money from. And so, you know, it was,
1: a, it was, a, and it's something
0: people can latch onto, especially uh, middle-class teenagers when yeah. they listen to it and their parents hear it and they're like, Oh, that's that police song. Yeah. And then like, so, so
1: I, I have no issue with it, honestly. I mean, it's, it's, people kind of can poop people doing that because it's not original or something like that. Or like, right. where's the work putting put into this? I think there is a level of artistry to it. If it's done well, Yeah, I think that was, I don't know, maybe not the best example of it, but I mean, he did for what it was, for what it was being a tribute song to this, this dead friend, there was a lot of heart behind it. And so I don't, I don't decry anyone who does that. Right, right. And I think if it's done well, if it's done interestingly, like, you know, the fall did with, you know, or I think it was a sense of humor to some of the stuff that they did too. Like, uh, I was talking before about them using a uh, you know the riff of tonight I'm gonna rock you tonight the Spinal Tap song And <laughs> right. one of the songs it was on the Friends experiment. Yeah. So I mean,
0: and I think and right now my brain is escaping me, uh, but I, I know that there's tons of songs. Oh, I think the one I brought up was Mansion slash Two Encroachment Yarbles, yeah, which is from. Uh, this Nation's Saving Grace, where apparently the riff was on, I believe, a Deviance album. And I believe it's an annotated, if not, I found this in some other weird corner of the internet. Where the Deviance song, their riff, was actually stolen from some song that had been released four years before that. Right. And so it's just a, you know, it's just this weird bloodline working from stealing <laughs> 1930s blues songs which is you know everybody knows the whole led zeppelin thing Exactly. Uh yeah. and then just moving up like in like I said it's kind of like the folk music idea of rock and roll as uh as 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 uh the man from Peru Ubu Dave. Dave, Thomas. Uh, Dave Thomas Dave Thomas Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, right. Dave Thomas <laughs> So anyway, as Dave Thomas Idiot. you know likes to purport you know rock and roll is basically folk music and they yeah. play folk music and that's because folk music instruments are electric guitars and samplers and synthesizers now right so and i think that's i think the fall definitely uh jump in on that and uh use it to their advantage absolutely. i i would say i would say one thing my my favorite example of that uh just as a kid when i was in high school i listened to a lot like de la soul and public enemy and absolutely stuff. So Public Enemy, that was their whole thing, was like taking disparate sounds and speeches and stuff and hitting you with the barrage of stuff. But yeah. Day La Soul, I always remember uh,
1: the first actual
0: song from Three Feet High and Rising. It took me years because I had never seen it to find out that that was a Schoolhouse Rock song. Yeah, I hadn't seen it either. I so had the same I had thing. I seen Schoolhouse Rock <laughs> episodes or whatever, but that one never played when I was a kid or... I think yeah. it was a little earlier before I was born, and that's why I don't think they.
1: There were a know. bun. There were a bunch of those and I never saw too, but I never. Saw, I mean, I remember the. You know, I'm just a bill. That's the one, was I, one in of conjunction them. junction. In conjunction junction, but I never saw the threes the magic number one. I know it was a yeah. big Bob Duro tune well he's the one who wrote most of that stuff anyway. yeah, but yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah but yeah uh, but you know that's the thing yeah those the, the bomb squad was great at that about this like you know mashing together all these different elements of songs It's using like the little one little vocal bit from a bob marley song yeah and you know as a sample in this big you know uh, soundscape that they put together and then prince paul like using you know uh, a sample of steely dan's peg and then you know maybe a, a bit of um the uh, Hall and Oates song for, you know, right. say well, no go. And then
0: that one that these pig actually has the whistling from sitting on the dock of the bay. That's right. Too. Yeah. So yeah. I was just listening to that the other day. Nice. So yeah. I was, <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, there you go. Kind of our take on, uh, <laughs> and I, I and stealing other people's music. I mean, there's good ways and bad ways. Yeah. Personally, I never liked Puffy, but I'm not gonna fault him for anything. No, I'm the same whatever. way. I, you know, I got no beef with that guy. Yeah,
1: I think it was interesting. I was looking, doing my little bit of research about this song, uh-huh. and that there, the lyrics for this song are actually printed in an issue of Smash Hits magazine. Oh, really? Which was uh, for any listeners who've never seen this before it was a very popular magazine in England where there'd be short mm-hmm. interviews with pop stars but a lot of it was just like printing the lyrics to popular songs in there with great pictures of the bands in there. Like I bought it I remember at the newsstand at Pike Place Market because it had maybe like the Pet Shop Boys in the cover or something like that and I was like mm-hmm. oh let's see what this is all about and I was like it's just lyrics like what do I want with this but that was a big deal back then and right. so uh, yeah there's a, they're looking at it right now there's a picture of like the the indie charts and then the lyrics to new face and hell the picture of the band i'm like wow like i had no idea that you know because uh, they were a big indie band back then independent right, yeah. charts but you know
0: well, especially if you're from Britain, which obviously we aren't. Right. You know, they this would have been like the sort of thing that you would hear on the radio, where in America in the 1980s, this was something you'd never heard on the radio. Yeah. like Unless mm, you maybe had a college station around you. Yeah. You know? if, if you
1: were on the East Coast where like import singles were getting brought in, you might hear it there. But right. otherwise, yeah, like, you know, we didn't get John Peel no. in, here in America for no, a long time. Not. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, to all you kids who want to go back and live in the 80s, you're fools. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think this is one of the songs uh, in a, another episode is talking about how Marky e. Smith's voice could hit like those really strange squeaky right. falsetto bits. And this was that like the, is definitely one of the biggest one, one of the biggest ones. And I, I love that aspect of his voice at that time where he was just playing around with his voice so much and just going to these extremes with it. And again, yeah, mirroring yeah. what happened in the last couple of fall records before he died, where he sounded like he was you know, gargling phlegm. Right. He's basically just going... Yeah. Yeah, Just to
0: see what it sounded like. Yeah, just terrifying,
1: (laughs) but kind of interesting just to hear him do that. There was this, oh, I wish I could remember the metal record that I listened to not too long ago. There's a really great metal record that came out last year and there was one part where all the music drops out and it's it's just the guy's vocals he's doing like the really growly you know death metal cookie monster death metal voice and (laughs) then there's (laughs) one part where all the music stops and it just makes this sound that sounds like they caught him off guard when he was taking a drink of water (laughs) and he's like and you know it made me laugh and I don't know how serious he meant that part but I was like (laughs) if those guys are fucking around with the trope of like metal music in the midst of this great death metal record that good on them